0: Academy episode
1: 26. There's multitudes of ways to accomplish the same goal. The key is to retain the talent that is producing the income for the current owner. And then the successor owner certainly wants that same talent in place. It is the people that make the business. So as owners, it's incumbent on us to make sure that we have done an excellent job developing their careers at whatever level they ultimately end, we want them to be able to advance in our organization and not be tempted or discouraged to leave to somebody else's.
0: Welcome, automotive aftermarketers, to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Welcome after marketers to the matching audio podcast of the Town Hall Academy video on succession planning the next generation of entrepreneurs. You know, this is a topic that's getting a lot of play lately in every web forum and every media outlet. And it's so important. I ask that if you're 30, 40, 50, or 60 years old, or older, you owe it to yourself to listen to this episode in its entirety. It's not only about preparing to sell, but to find the successors to the business. My guests really give it up with a strong presentation on the subject. Carm Capriato here, your host. Welcome. This Academy podcast is sponsored by Jasper Engines and Transmissions. Now, when a car's engine or transmission fails, it's not the end of the road. A remanufactured drivetrain product from Jasper Engines and Transmissions will give your customer's car a new lease on life. Hey, if you have an idea for an Academy topic, just send me an email at karm@remarkableresults.biz. At See the show notes for this Town Hall Academy at RemarkableResults.biz slash A026. Now there you'll find my guests' bios and all the talking points. Now this way, the critical points of this academy are already done for you. This repurposed podcast of the video form makes it easier for everyone that does not have the time to sit in front of a video screen or to be on Facebook, and that's the power of podcasting, the digital audio broadcasts that's so portable and easy to find. Hey, I am glad to help spread wisdom and experience. You can catch the Academy broadcast live on Fridays at 12 noon or go to remarkableresults.biz/academy live for all the links. Hey, and don't forget to get social with the podcast. Go to RemarkableResults.biz slash social to connect with me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And don't forget, every Academy has its own HD video that you can watch, and you can find them at RemarkableResults.biz slash Academy. Now listen to Bob Ward, president of Warden LLC. Bob began his business career at a franchised car dealership, overcoming obstacles to learn and earn the required skills to become controller, general manager, and then minority owner of Tacoma Dodge in Washington. A native of Seattle, Bob serves as a financial advisor and consultant to small business owners throughout the United States. He believes that your business should always be ready for expansion or sale, that you should get paid for what you built, and when you decide to leave it, your company should continue to prosper. He believes in a perpetual business where there is value, continuity, and legacy. And also, Russell Andrew is with us. He started working at the local gas stations at 14 years old. He bought his first business at 22. He was the youngest Arco dealer ever at that time. Russ went on to buy a second Arco station five years later. And at 30 years old, he sold the first station, converted the second one to a C-store, and bought a closed, boarded-up gas station a few miles away. And he ran an auto repair garage business out of it. In 1986, he sold the Arco AMPM, tore down the old Texaco building, and built a small retail center on the property, which he still owns today. It gets better. He moved a few hundred miles north to Paso Robles, California. And in 1988, Russell rented a 4,000-square-foot building. He put all his stored auto shop equipment in it, and he opened Paso Robles Auto Repair. He ran that for 28 years, and in January 2015, he turned the business over to his successor. He now works for the business doing all the bookkeeping and administration duties from his home office part-time, 20 to 30 hours a month. Russell shares his succession process with you. Now enjoy the Town Hall Academy on succession planning, the next generation of entrepreneurs. the Town Hall Academy from the Remarkable Results Radio Podcast. And we're here today, everyone, a tough subject, interesting subject, succession planning the next generation. How are we going to get these businesses to the next generation of entrepreneurs? Now, we uh, hold this forum every Friday at 12 noon Eastern. You can see us on Facebook. You can um, actually watch us on our webinar platform. Bob, let me start out with the first question for you. And let's get this discussion um, up and running baby boomers. I'm one of them. And, you know, I think we're all looking to get out. I think we're all looking to retire, but we may not know what to do next.
1: Virtually none of the business owners in the world today, regardless of their age, have thought ahead and thought that I'm getting into a business knowing that I will be getting out. Therefore, the entire journey ought to be focused on building something of value and creating a plan. There's always a place to start, I say. The first obstacle, Karm, that you and I and, and everybody listening needs to overcome is to understand the ultimate objective. Similarly to knowing we're going to retire one day, we need to have retirement savings in order to accomplish that. We have to be focused to the end goal. And if we realize that we are going to leave our businesses and we are going to retire, we can begin planning for that.
0: So how many small businesses in the U.S. uh, are out there that all have this challenge?
1: Uh, I would say 100 percent, Carm. Every small business is going to be sold. And it's either going to be a liquidation because there was no plan or with a little bit of foresight and some energy, and using time to their advantage, they can create a very elegant exit strategy where they can be paid for what they built and allow somebody else to realize the dream of ownership.
0: You and I talked, and I found out that 70% of small companies will see their current owner depart. Are those departures always good?
1: Well, unfortunately, no. And and that statistic of of 70% is 70% of business owners in the next 20 years will depart. So that's really the baby boom generation that we're talking about. 70% of owners in the next 20 years are going to leave their business. And when you say, is it good or potentially not, unfortunately, Tragedy does befall families, either a disability or a death, and none of those are timely. However, they should be provided for from the beginning of business inception. So that should tragedy befall, the business will still live and the families be provided for. Ideally, everybody lives a happy, healthy, productive life. They retire on their own terms and the business lives on.
0: You know, what I'm hearing from you is the word opportunity, but on both sides of the coin, there are a lot of shop owners today that are looking for their second or third or fourth branch. So there is an opportunity. There are many great service advisors or managers of businesses that probably look at their owner and think about, wow, wouldn't it be something if I could actually take this over and and buy the business? How do I start that dialogue with someone? And Ross, great to have you here because you had an internal candidate, and I guess my question to you is: Did your internal candidate come to you? Did you go to him? How how, how did that mesh?
2: Well, at the time, I I actually presented it to him and another employee uh, that both had about the same longevity at the business. Presented the opportunity to both of them together, knowing that. One of them was actually a better candidate, and that was the one that ultimately became the successor. But I felt fair to, uh, you know, make it an equal opportunity to both of them. The um, he always expressed a desire to uh be an owner uh, somewhere in his life, he's pretty young, so you know, he, he felt uh. He felt at some point in his life he'd like to own, own a business like mine, and it just made sense that he, he uh, ended up with mine since he knew the business pretty well after being there for so many years.
0: Okay, your customer's engine or transmission has failed, but now is not the time for them to trade their vehicle. Not without a working engine or transmission. Besides, would they have kept their vehicle another three to five years if their engine or transmission had not let them down? Well, if you answered yes, then Jasper Engines and Transmissions is your choice to give your customer's vehicle new life and many thousands of miles of enjoyable driving performance. When considering the high cost of a new or newer used vehicle, there's a pretty good case to be made for your customers to replace a drivetrain component that has failed or is delivering poor performance, rather than trading their car, truck, van, or SUV. Install a quality remanufactured Jasper product for less than your customer would have to invest in a different vehicle. Go to JasperEngines.com to learn more about the money-saving value of Jasper. I want to encourage the buyer and the seller to really pay attention to this because, it, you know, it, it takes two to get married, right?
2: Yes, it does. It
0: takes two to get married and sometimes it takes a pastor like Bob putting the deal together, right?
2: Well, some... yeah, Bob uh, Bob served as a, a very good pastor. as if good analogy.
0: <laughs> Was it a good analogy? That just came to me. See, I'm I'm always so well-known for finding the right word at the right moment.
1: <laughs> we had several prayer meetings, Carm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> In, now we're really getting into the real juice and the meat of what this stuff is about. It, it just sometimes isn't like cutting soft butter, is it, Bob?
1: Well, let me add a little bit of... Uh, color to the question you asked russ about how that initial dialogue started very often owners are reluctant or have not even thought to approach any of their employees and on the flip side a technician service advisor manager who has a desire may struggle how to approach an owner is it going to be a comfortable conversation Is it going to be stressful? Will there be some unintended consequences as a result? I suggest that owners have the responsibility as the leaders to ensure their own exit strategy and make sure it gets done. We'd like all of our employees to have great initiative but we are the owners. It is our responsibility. And a great way to start that process is what I call the essential conversation. It's very easy, I teach this in all my classes, my publications, simple conversation, where the owner, in a quiet time with a key employee, simply says, I'm always working on the future of the business, and you're an important part of my planning process share with, we, with me what's most important to you and your family and where you see your future going. Open-ended question. An owner always wants to know the answer to that question. What's important to the employee? Their family. I care about you as a key member of my staff. Tell me what is meaningful to you and where you see your career going. Let the employee answer the question fully. In that conversation, you often will hear, part of my career aspirations is to become a business owner or I would like to follow you in this business. The only follow-up question that I suggest owners have, the only one is if that employee doesn't say, I want to be an owner one day, you can ask that question. Carm, have you ever thought about being a business owner yourself? When that conversation is over, It's five, ten minutes. You say, thank you. I'm really glad you shared that information with me. I'm going to take that to heart. I'm going to consider it in my business planning, and we're going to have more conversations. Perfect place to start with every employee, and the information you get back is always useful.
0: So that's got to be a, um, a tenant or a major step on the strategy of perpetual business.
1: Exactly. You always want to know about the core of your business. It is the people. It's not the stuff. It's not the beautiful building or the great tools and scanning equipment, etc. Your people are what make the business.
0: If you asked me and I said, I've always thought of owning my own business and you said to me, I will keep that in mind as I develop my business plan you would have sent me into the stratosphere as a person on your team. Not knowing where that stratosphere, if there was a top or a bottom of a glass ceiling or not, you really would have given me a level of engagement like I probably never had.
1: And most employees don't get that. I'm going to say most, I'm going to say it's like 95% of workers in small businesses do not have a sense that they are truly valued personally. Their family considerations are known and that their career aspirations are being tended. And as owners, it is imperative that we retain our key talent, nurture and motivate them, and ideally develop them to become our future owners, which enables our exit and their Realization of their aspirations. And this would be really good time maybe to cut to Russ, and and get the result of that kind of conversation with his successor, whose name is Lalo, by the way, wonderful individual.
2: I remember the conversation like it was yesterday. It was, I think, it was in 2014 that I, uh, you know, I brought the two individuals in front of my counter, and it was about a five-minute conversation, as as Bob. Uh, Kind of, kind of suggested, and uh, it was, hey, I'm going to be uh, at my 66th birthday. I'm, I'm going to dovetail my, my exit from this business along with um, retiring. I don't want to, I don't want to do this any longer. I don't have time for it. I'm going to kind of dovetail it with Social Security. Not that that's a huge concern, but it, it helped cushion the blow. Lalo got back to me uh, next day, and I had a pretty good idea on how to structure the deal, so to speak, uh, myself, it was only after I sat in at, at, at a seminar that Bob uh, put on that I decided, and Lalo was with me at that se- seminar, sitting side by side, and when we uh, we got done with that seminar, we both looked at each other and said, man, this guy's got exactly what we need, and uh, and a lot of the ideas were exactly what I had planned. Uh, it's just that, uh, that Bob Ward's method to get it done uh, was was a lot more structured than what i had
0: does lalo own 100 percent of the business now or are you still into a structure
2: we are in a uh about a seven year stock it's a it's a s corporation and every year lalo initially bought a certain percentage of stock pretty minor amount Um, and every year there's a mandatory purchase of more stock and then after seven years there's a kind of a balloon at the end of it but uh no at this point he owns uh, a pretty minority share of the business
0: but you have a plan the beauty of it is is that you have a plan and you're kind of hanging out and uh probably giving him all kinds of great advice i mean is he looking to you for advice or are you uh, trying to stay hand you know a distance
2: well both, kind of both i i i allow him to uh exercise his right as owner to do things his way there were some hard and fast rules that I followed my whole career uh, like no radios in the shop was one of my big pet peeves well the second day he was there there was uh, country western music going in the background so and it bothered me but uh, hey it's his place now I do get involved. I'm there. Not every day. I stop. I live very close to the shop. So I stop by, I kind of get in the way now, which is probably a good thing. But, uh, I go by and pick up paperwork and fix things and, uh, you know, try to stay a little bit involved. And that was kind of the other beautiful part of this, uh, process is that rather than a cut and dry, I'm in business one day, I've sold it the next day. I got a place to go and kind of wean myself off of my, you know, it was my daily life for all these years. And, uh, it, it's really worked out wonderfully from that aspect as well.
0: I met a guy. I did an interview at his place. Actually, I went to it, and he was all about having music in the shop because he thought it was a productivity booster and good, good for his people. I find that so interesting that you brought that up. Bob?
1: I was just going to add that the enthusiasm and the delight for Lalo and his wife Judy and their two children is it's inspiring when you can enable the passion that other people have and let it loose to build and grow and be successful in their own right. That is a, I'm almost going to say it's more powerful and rewarding than the money side of a transaction. This is a young man in his thirties, young family. He's loving what he's doing He's earning more money. He's creating equity for himself. His wife is delighted to support him and sees his enthusiasm. It's uh, it's inspiring. Russ, just add a mo- add a little extra to that. How would you put an exclamation point on that?
2: Well, Lalo, the whole time he was my employee, was self motivated. I never had to had to prod him to pick up the the slack. I mean, he was always looking for something to do. He was the first guy to say, hey, what's next? And now he, he can, you know, and there was no extra reward f- for him, practically speaking, but now he sees the fruits of his, you know, extra effort, you know, the uh, ownership part of the pride of ownership i guess and the monetary rewards that, that result from it and the, uh, the you know playing it's almost like a game with him you know to to have uh sales projections and meet those projections and uh and, and get the employees to produce uh through incentive plans that he's installed and it's 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 fun for him it's, it's absolutely fun and it's fun for me to watch
0: Bob, I want to qualify something you said a little earlier about presenting to uh, one of your team members, you know, your your long term strategy in, in, strategy, and asking them what their plans are. If you have more than one key people, and you realize that one of them really doesn't have um, the constitution to be an owner, would you still present, or would you hold that question back?
1: You may choose not to offer ownership, 100% ownership or ownership in any form to that individual. However, if that person is key to your organization, you want to retain that talent. In ownership, I share a concept called ownership culture in my classes, that I would rather not have employees. I'd like everybody to be owners, at least in practice. So owners have all the knowledge of the vision of the business, where it's gonna go, how we're gonna get there. Owners have the information as to whether it's getting accomplished and owners have a financial incentive. There's no reason that every person in a business shouldn't have that same information. They're all working together and going the same direction. Where only one or two or three may ultimately be the actual owners in shares, the others can be owners in practice through profit sharing or ownership rights. There's multitudes of ways to accomplish the same goal. The key is to retain the talent that is producing the income for the current owner And then the successor owner certainly wants that same talent in place. It is the people that make the business. So as owners, it's incumbent on us to make sure that we have done an excellent job developing their careers at whatever level they ultimately end. We want them to be able to advance in our organization and not be tempted or discouraged to leave to somebody else's.
0: Bob, you gave me a great stat. You said only 30% of small companies survived to second owner 20 years ago. And today, it's only 15. That means 85% will not survive the departure of the current owner. Why?
1: I wish I had some brilliant response to that. But the sad truth, it is simply a lack of planning. Another statistic, and I don't have the actual numbers, but just retirement ability in our country of of just society at large to be able to retire and live a comfortable lifestyle when they stop working, it's a very poor number because people just didn't save. So with succession, it's simply nothing got started and nothing followed through. It just wasn't done. and that's a a very useless answer but it is the truth
0: no i i think it slaps you upside the head and you know we can't talk about this enough and maybe there there will be 50 people that'll say you know we need to be better planners we need to really look down the road we need to figure out where we're going and how we're getting there 55 is the average age i believe of the shop owner today well that 10-year plan i mean you know you said it perfectly russ You know, I had a plan at sixty-six. I want to do this, so you probably rewound the clock a little bit, and you needed to you needed to make some decisions. And I don't think we're thinking that sixty-five, sixty-six, five years, ten years will ever come. I don't know about you, but I had one of the fastest weeks possible. Five days from Monday through Friday go by like that. A year goes by like that. And your point is you better get off your butt and do something about it.
2: Well, that's very true. It's um, as you age, and I, I have no clue what your age is, but I know what a mine is, and it seems like the years click by pretty fast. And what, uh, you know, you remember when you were a kid and you just um, just finished celebrating Christmas and you couldn't wait till the next Christmas, and it seemed like 50 years from then. And now, as, you, as an adult, you dread the fact that Christmas comes around so quickly because you have to do all the planning for it. My plan to, and when I announced to my two employees, my plan, it was two years before it it was actually going to be executed. And I explained to them, I said, I don't, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know whether one of you is going to buy this business. Or the outside person's going to buy this business. Nobody's going to buy this business. And I'm just going to lock the door and liquidate the stuff. But at 66 years old, I'm not going to be here anymore.
0: You just said a mouthful. So Bob, is it business planning or is it business liquidation?
2: We don't want liquidation,
1: Carm. When, when a business liquidates, an owner's only going to get their, their assets at auction value. There really isn't anything there. And the shame of it is the legacy that an owner built over 30, 40 years just disappears, and a future owner like Lalo doesn't have the opportunity to reach that dream of ownership, the employees are let go, customers have to go find another shop, and the business community loses a valued business. Nobody would aspire for their future to be, I liquidated my business and walked away. The flip side of that, and I hope everybody listens to this really carefully. The financial benefit is the sale of the business is part one. If you own the property, it's the lease income part two. The likely purchaser of that property at good value is going to be the owner of that business. So where a business, a typical shop may be valued, say, $400,000, but 10 years of lease income could be another $600,000. And the property value itself could be another 500000 or more. So financially, for a business to continue, you're a million, two, three, four, five million dollars versus I'm just going to liquidate my stuff and, and put the land up uh, on the market. That's the financial side. The human side is something like 70% of our entire population is employed by small business owners. So if those businesses continue, those employees and their families have that financial security. The customers continue to go back to the same business and enjoy that level of service and the community keeps a nice, stable tax base and a valued uh, business there. Everything points to business continuity, what I call a perpetual business.
0: Let's talk about that. What are the attributes of a perpetual business?
1: I say a perpetual business is one that is always ready for sale or expansion opportunities that the owner's choosing. And the reason that they would always be ready, and here's the one most important point, the reason they would always be ready is because the owner had the foresight and the commitment to develop their people. I quote Harvey Firestone regularly. I'm gonna give you one right now. It is only as we develop others that we permanently succeed. So if we have developed all of our staff and elevated their education, their institutional knowledge of how we run the business and boosted their self-confidence, we don't need to be there anymore. We can choose to be there because we enjoy it and we want to do that, or because we as the owner don't have to. Our staff is running the business. We can go pursue with confidence those other opportunities, buy another shop, open a new location, or choose to sell whenever we want. So the key attribute, single most important,
2: is developing your people.
0: I love it. Russ, can you relate to that?
2: First of all, I... I'm kinda of lazy in a lot of respects. And I <laughs>
0: I love an honest man.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I develop uh, my staff to make sure that they can do what I don't want to do. And and ultimately that came to running the whole business. I mean, but most of the time it was, you know, I, I would have customers I would explain to customers certain service procedures that were kind of labor intensive and they go, Gee, you know, you gotta go through all of that, isn't that hard? And I go, Hell no, I have Lalo do it. You know, it's very easy but, but uh seriously i i think that tuning somebody up or getting somebody prepared for the whole uh being the quarterback of the business is kind of an ongoing was always kind of an ongoing process with me lalo was hired as a technician but i always saw his uh, leadership abilities and i would always kind of lean on him a little bit harder than anybody else to you know make decisions uh kind of kind of manage the other employees you know shop manager so to speak
0: i love what he just said bob Uh, i saw something in lalo what are you seeing are you seeing businesses being sold to an outside person or are you seeing more internal candidates
1: it's virtually all internal karm. when you think about the opportunity to sell a small business to an outsider. First, you've got to have somebody that has a desire to run an auto repair shop. So that greatly limits the entire population down to a very small pool of people who I want to own a repair shop. And then the second piece comes into that. Do they have any money? So you think about the percentage of the entire population that could write a $250,000 check or borrow the equivalent or write a $50,000 check or a $20,000 check. You've got a very small percentage in that pool. So you take the pool, I wanna own a shop, that's very small, of that group, how many of them have any money whatsoever? So the odds of selling to an outsider Uh, You'd really need a micrometer to do that. So the opportunity lies with somebody within the organization who you already trust. They already know how your business is run. You've been developing them for years and years, not only technically, but administratively, operationally, financially. You're working on their development throughout their career, one to retain the key talent in the first place, but even better, to develop your successor owner. And along those same uh, lines about the attributes of a perpetual business, with people being the highest requirement, the others are you've got clean financial statements that are usable, that an outsider can look at and they're accurate and they understand where the money's coming from on, on paper. You've got standard operating procedures in place. So if I'm looking at your business, Carm, and I say, how do you make the money you make? And you pull out this sleek, elegant, concise guide. This is how we greet our customers. This is how we process workflow so that an outsider or that insider has the guide to replicate what you've done those are the other key attributes but again it's 90 percent is the people i'm not going to buy a bunch of lifts and, and inventory i can get that anywhere on ebay where can i find journeyman technicians excellent service advisors that's the challenge and once we have them it's incumbent upon us to make sure we have the development process and succession process to keep them that's where the
0: value is love what you just said that's just like the big sound bite right there that was that was great now bob let me go back to um the great statement you made about having that meeting with a with an internal candidate and asking them what their plans are if that's step one and you get a glimmer an excitement and, and something to, to work with what's step two do you pick up the phone and call bob ward
1: Well, that would be lovely, Carmen. (laughs) Certainly, I've given away a lot of early advice just to get that spark. The next step in a practical sense for the people listening to this podcast are you have to take action. You know, at this point, if you didn't know years ago, you know today you're going to leave your business. How are you going to leave it? two questions in that one. How are you going to leave? And the other is, how are you going to leave your business? So you know you're going to. There's no reason to delay till tomorrow or a month or next year. You know you're going to do it. Start the process. If you've gotten to the point where you identified one or more candidates, the next step is How do you advance their skills and get them financially involved? And there's multiple ways to get someone financially involved. One is a simple profit sharing. One can be deferred compensation. One can be compensation that goes into a pool for a future down payment. One can be that you're going to sell them a minority share in the business this year with more later. The ultimate is you have a complete from ground zero today all the way to the exit where every year is known, all the financing is done, you have a contract. That's the ultimate objective. But many people, let's say you're, we've got a 35-year-old owner listening. I'm going to work for another 30 years. I'm not ready to do a full 100% contract to get this done now. However, you do as a 35-year-old owner want to retain your key people, help them achieve their goals, which helps you achieve your goal. So there's always a place to start.
0: How long is a good plan, Bob?
1: I can share that the average time to complete a full-blown contract averages a year. To get the process done as far as the timing of whether it's a 20-year plan a 30-year plan or a five-year plan depends on the age and circumstances of the parties involved what must be accomplished is the defined path that you and I as co-workers in the same business are going to attain. We have to know that we are getting there together. The details of the plan then are customized to our age and circumstances and our needs and
0: wants. Thank you for that. Family. Uh, To me, that's an interesting piece here. Um, Russ, while we were testing your stuff the other day, um, I met your son, Todd. He's obviously not in the business. It wasn't for him?
2: No, I. both my sons have little or no interest in the automotive business.
0: But there are, Bob, families involved. Does that take a different pathway or does it follow your plan?
2: It still
1: follows the plan. A struggle with family succession is very often parents will take things for granted that my child or children are going to come into the business or that because my son or daughter is working for me now, they will be the buyer, and nothing gets decided. Nothing actually gets defined. There's just this pipe dream out there or this discussion, or maybe there's no discussion. It's just taken for granted, but the same challenges are there. Children want something defined. They don't want to work for their parent for 10, 15, 20 years with the hope well, someday I'm going to get this business. One, if it's not defined and there's a death and there's more family involved, you've got a horrible mess on your hands. And the other is children can be discouraged just like employees if nothing is defined. Then you add dynamics. Maybe you've got a child and the key employee in the business. So there's, everything is unique, has its own nuances, needs to be solved everything circles back to get it defined. Know where we're going. There's written agreements that may be simple in the beginning and more complete at the end, but without a defined plan, everything is at risk. And I'm going to throw this back to Russ real quick with your permission. If Lalo had not been there, what was your exit strategy
2: probably the most likely thing would have been i just would have closed the business in my situation it's a leased building i've got 50 years of accumulated stuff that's all in this building i got 30 day receive or payables that i would if i shut the business down would have had to take care of without any income out any cash flow income I estimate financially it would have been about a, a 90 day, or it would have taken me 90 days to close it down, and probably about 40 to 50 thousand dollars, my own money, to shut the place down and dispose of everything and put the building back in the in the condition it was in the day I rented it. So a lot of this was self-serving, so I didn't have to deal with all of that. The other, you know, the other plan was hopefully maybe to try to find a, uh, a outside buyer, which is Unlikely. Throughout the years I was there, I was approached maybe a couple of times with people that wanted to move into the area and they were familiar with that type of business and they wanted. Uh, they were just lo- looking to see if my business was for sale, and I'd always take their name and some- maybe someday I could make something happen. But it, it's it's unlikely that that ever would occur, especially on your schedule, you know. And it it just uh, made more sense to groom the as we did groom the, uh, successor Lalo in, uh, and make it a affordable for him, make, make it comfortable for him to, uh, since he didn't have the resources to buy me out, nor did I really want those resources. The, uh, the way we structured the deal, it's actually a lot better for me to have the residual income over a long period of time than, uh, than receive a lump sum. You know, In the event that I could have found somebody to give me a lump sum of money, uh, tax-wise, it was a lot better for me to do it the way I'm doing it. And even if you had gotten a lump
1: sum to sell your business, is it not true that the way this succession plan is structured, you're receiving more ultimate income than if you just got a check up front?
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it, it was, uh, with your spreadsheet, uh, spelled out very clearly, you know, that the, um, the, the sale of the business was one number, but then the, uh, the long-term income, you know, the, the profit sharing and then some interest and some other things. Uh, and the tax advantage has got to the be the most attractive thing for me. I mean, it's sale of stock. It's all capital gain. There isn't any recapture of any assets. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing.
0: It was a stock sale?
2: Yes. Yeah. It's, a, it's an ongoing stock sale. And the, uh, you know, the advantage to Lalo is um, he didn't have the resources to buy me out and it, it, it's a it's an installment sale, basically.
0: You know, this is what's going on. And, and, you know, the more and more I continue to hear people talk, Bob, and I'm so glad you're on here. And you too, Russ, is the the options exist and they're there. And this is just so a great proof. We can go back to this episode all over and over and over again when we meet people and say, please go listen to this Town Hall Academy on succession planning, the next generation, because the ideas that are coming out of here are probably not new and fresh, but they're confidence builders. They're almost like, uh, they're starters. They're self-starters. Match it charcoal. Boom, we have have something now. I, I couldn't help but think, Bob, when you were talking, we were talking about families because there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of sons and daughters in families today. And I know one succession strategy from business owners that are family, they say, son, daughter, someday this is all going to be yours. And they never do anything about it. And that was your point. And that's that. The, the point is, is they just cannot dangle that because people, families, kids, they leave, don't they, Bob?
1: They get discouraged just like anybody else that's trying to make their way in the world, provide for their family, build value, provide for retirement one day. All the same concerns are there. Owners struggle emotionally to leave their businesses. Virtually every owner started their business with nothing, very little money, no operational experience for running a business, HR skills, legal skills, financial statement skills. They started with nothing. They overcame the challenges. They overcame the struggles. They made something of value They've been in it their whole life. And to even consider leaving and letting go can be very, very emotional. I want to suggest to your listeners, they take that emotion, personal emotion of of regret or hesitancy and flip it around to one of how much joy and pride Pride, am I going to feel by knowing my legacy is going to continue beyond me? And whether it's my son or daughter or key employee or combination, that my struggles were something else that I overcame in my business life to enable the next generation to avoid many of the struggles i had to go through and they can continue to carry on what i created
0: you almost like take the pride out of it and flip it and find the energy the other way hey i have so enjoyed this i mean we i think we could talk for another two hours really but we'd have to get we'd have to get some coffee and you know some crumpets going here and just sit back in the big leather chair with the fire at starbucks And really dive into this. But maybe we need to do this again, you know, and come back and do succession planning round two. And um, we'll get another guy like Russ on board who has it was a great story to tell. But I I would really love to go around the room here and give both of you a, a final word and some advice that you may want to give to your colleagues. Russ, anything?
2: I think I mentioned this before. I had a pretty good idea on how to once Lalo and I decided, hey, we're it's going to be your business someday. How do we get this done? I had a pretty good idea of how to get it done. But I know myself and I wouldn't have got it done. I'm a pretty good procrastinator and when I decided to enlist Bob's services that was probably the smartest thing I could have done for that reason alone that he got it done. He's he he may make sure that there's progress every day on our deal, but one of the, one of the better points and the most valuable thing he provided us was he's got a beautiful mathematical matrix that puts a precise number value on the business. It's an, it's an appraisal. So, you know, for lack of better words and that, is so comforting to know that Lalo that I didn't come up with that number and he's not going to question that five or six years from now or six months from now, this was the number that was, that was arrived at through a mathematical process and he's comfortable with it. I'm comfortable with it. It's a, it's a, you know, I, I'll i never, ever have the feeling that, hey, I screwed the guy or or I didn't get enough. It was it's a per, it's, it's the perfect number down to the penny.
0: You know, Russ, I hear uh, some I've had some guys on before and they say, well, you need a business evaluation person. You need you need a lawyer. You need an accountant. You need a lot of people on the team to make something like this happen. Did you have a lot or was it just Bob that carried you through here?
2: Bob did 90 um, 90- nine percent of the process he is not an attorney he uh absolutely insisted that the attorney draw up the contract i went to my family attorney my state attorney handed him the letter of intent that bob produced and he looked at me and he says what do you want me to do here it's all done (laughs) (laughs) he put he put his letterhead on it basically and uh Sent me a small, <laughs> small bill for his.
0: Just add, just add water, right?
2: <laughs> yes.
0: Bisquick. <laughs> <laughs> <pretty
2: pretty much>. Bob <laughs> Bob's a one, almost a one-stop uh, service. Other than other than the contract.
0: Well, we weren't here intending to do a commercial for you at all, Bob, but it seemed to have come out. So you're going to have to send me a check. I think. <laughs> i kidding! I'm only kidding!
1: Well, those were were very, very, very kind kind words, and and. This is it's comments like that that drive me to do what I do. I, I came from a, a business background myself, started from nothing like everybody else out there, built something of value, sold it. Now I help other business owners and it's people like Russ and his wife, Debbie Lalo and his wife, Judy, that seeing how... Their lives can be fulfilled because I added a little extra something to the mix. Just inspires me to do it more. I really respect and admire small business owners. They are what makes our country great. I've not met a single one that didn't earn and deserve a successful retirement and getting paid for their life's work. As we mentioned earlier in the show, 85% 85% of small businesses will not continue beyond the current owner. Your work, Carm, and having guests like me and Russ and others is helping to change that dynamic. So I'm going to give you a commercial back that I really admire what you're doing in the industry and the knowledge that you're sharing and that uh, spark to action, which I agree is so imperative, can really make a difference in people's lives.
0: Well, I hope this does. And how can people get a hold of you if they'd love to?
1: The easiest way, go to my website, perpetualbusiness.co. There is a couple of videos there that explain processes and what I believe a perpetual business is. There's a contact phone there. But, uh, you know, because we're kind of family, I'm just going to give my personal cell phone number out. I'm happy to take any call for an introductory conversation. That's 206-304-7723. I'm always happy to provide a little extra advice and get people started.
0: Thank you. First time ever. Cell phone given up on the Academy. Wow. Cool. Russ Andrews, Bob Ward, thank you so much for your great wisdom and advice for the Town Hall Academy
2: my pleasure been fun
0: thanks guys thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast until next time